0: We want to take a second to thank you for supporting Womance by listening to our podcast. One great way that you can continue supporting us including those listens is hitting subscribe, telling a friend, leaving a review. That stuff all really matters.
1: Sharing it on your personal social media is another great way to spread the word about Womance. And another option for supporting us if we may be so bold is to recommend going to our Patreon where you can donate as little as a dollar a month to help us spread the word of Woe. If you
0: want to contribute more than a dollar a month which obviously no pressure whatever you've got we are so appreciative to have but we have awesome gifts for you if you want a hand addressed letter from morgan and isabeau maybe with some special whoa stickers other merch
1: just uh, visit our patreon we are womance on patreon or is it patreon.com forward slash womance we would be very proud to call you one of our patrons It's easy to do now because we're in the same room,
0: just like old times.
1: I think this is the first time since since we did that reality show fantasy at my house that we've recorded in person. Yep. How special!
0: That was good. That was a good time.
1: <laughs> it's nice to be back.
0: It's nice to be back.
1: Uh, and it's nice to have you back as well, listeners to the Womance Public Access Read Along of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. None other. I am your Odd Chapters Reader, Morgan. Pleasure to meet you, if I'm meeting you for the first time.
0: I am your Even Chapter Reader, Isabeau.
1: And this week, you find us in the midst of Chapter 37. Yes. Which eagle-eared listeners will note is an odd number chapter. Sure is. Which means Isabeau read the last chapter and must now recount the events to bring us up to speed.
0: Well, as we've discussed on this podcast numerous times, a lot of nothing happens. <laughs> and it is a lot of nothing. Uh, Lizzie is forced to contend with the fact that she may have been wrong about Darcy, and she compares the account of Darcy's letter to her recollections of Wickham, and uh, he does not come out the better for it. And then she feels like a bit of um uh, Like a little bit like she's got to eat some crow. She
1: feels like a real asshole. She
0: feels like a real dick. (laughs) And uh, she doesn't like the feeling, but then she feels a little bit warmer about one Mr. Darcy.
1: Yeah, thank goodness she doesn't have to keep pining for Colonel Fitzwilliam, she tells herself.
0: It's a lie. We should all pine for Colonel Fitzwilliam.
1: Amen. All right, let's begin. Chapter 37. The two gentlemen left Rosings the next morning, A Mr. Collins had... Been in waiting near the lodges to make them his parting obeisance. Is that the right pronunciation? Obeisance. Obeisance. His parting obeisance was able to bring home the pleasing intelligence of their appearing in very good health and in as tolerable spirits as could be expected after the melancholy scene so lately gone through at Rosings. To Rosings he then hastened to console Lady Catherine and her daughter and on his return brought back with great satisfaction a message from her ladyship imparting that she herself so dull as to make her very desirous of having them all to dine with her. Elizabeth could not see Lady Catherine without recollecting that she had that had she chosen it, she might by this time have been presented to her as her future niece, nor could she think, without a smile, of what her ladyship's indignation would have been. What would she have said? How would she have behaved? were questions with which she amused herself. Their first subject was the diminution of the Rosings' party. "'I assure you I feel it exceedingly,' said Lady Catherine. "'I believe nobody feels the loss of friends so much as I do. "'But I am particularly attached to these young men "'and know them to be so much attached to me. "'They were excessively sorry to go, but so they always are. "'The dear Colonel rallied his spirits tolerably till just at last, "'but Darcy seemed to feel it most acutely.' More, I think, than last year. His attachment to rosings certainly increases. Mr. Collins had a compliment and an allusion to throw in here, which were kindly smiled on by the mother and daughter. Lady Catherine observed after dinner that Miss Bennet seemed out of spirits and immediately accounting for it herself by supposing that she did not like to go home again so soon. She added... "'But if that is the case, you must write to your mother to beg that you may stay a little longer. "'Mrs. Collins will be very glad of your company, I am sure.' "'I am much obliged to your ladyship for your kind invitation,' replied Elizabeth, "'but it is not in my power to accept it. I must be in town next Saturday.' "'What? At any rate, you will have been here only six weeks. "'I expected you to stay two months. I told Mrs. Collins so before you came.' There can be of no occasion for you going so soon. Mrs. Bennett would certainly spare you for another fortnight. But my father cannot. He wrote last week to hurry my return. Oh, your father, of course, may spare you if your mother can. Daughters are never of so much consequence to a father. Zing. And if you will stay another month... Complete. It will be in my power to take one of you as far as London, for I am going there early in June for a week, and as Dawson does not object to the barouche box, there will be very good room for one of you, and indeed, if the weather should happen to be cool, I should not object to taking both, as you are neither of you large. You are all kindness, madam, but I believe we must abide by our original plan. Lady Catherine seemed resigned. Mrs. Collins, you must send a servant with them. (sniffs) You know, I always speak my mind, and I cannot bear the idea of two young women traveling post by themselves. It is highly improper. You must contrive to send somebody. Have the greatest dislike in the world for to that sort of thing. Young women should always be properly guarded and attended, according to their situation in life. <laughs> When my niece Georgiana went to Ramsgate last summer, I made a point of having two men-servants go with her. Miss Darcy, the daughter of Mr. Darcy of Pemberley and Lady Anne, could not have appeared with propriety in a different manner. I am excessively attentive to all those things. You must send John with the young ladies, Mrs. Collins. I am glad it occurred to me to mention it, for it could really be discreditable to you to let them go alone.' "'My uncle is to send a servant for us.' "'Oh, your uncle! "'He keeps a man servant, does he? "'I am very glad you have somebody who thinks of those things. "'Where shall you change horses?' "'Oh, Bromley, of course. "'If you mention my name at the bell, you will be attended to.' Lady Catherine had many other questions to ask, respecting their journey, and as she did not answer them all herself, attention was necessary, which Elizabeth believed to be lucky for her, or, with a mind so occupied, she might have forgotten where she was.' Reflection must be reserved for a solitary hours, whenever she was alone. She gave way to it as the greatest relief, and not a day went by without a solitary walk in which she might indulge in all the delight of unpleasant recollections. Mr. Darcy's letter, she was in a fair way of soon knowing by heart. She studied every sentence, and her feelings towards the writer were at times widely different, When she remembered the style of his address, she was still full of indignation, but when she considered how unjustly she had condemned and upbraided him, her anger was turned against herself, and his disappointed feelings became the object of compassion. His attachment excited gratitude, his general character respect, but she could not approve him, nor could she for a moment repent her refusal or feel the slightest inclination ever to see him again. In her own past behavior, there was a constant source of vexation and regret, and in the unhappy defects of her family, a subject of yet heavier chagrin. They were hopeless of remedy. Her father, contented with laughing at them, would never exert himself to restrain the wild giddiness of his youngest daughters, and her mother, with manners so far from right herself, was entirely insensible of the evil." Elizabeth had frequently united with Jane in an endeavor to check the imprudence of, Lady Cath- of Catherine and Lydia. But when they were supported by their mother's indulgence, what chance could there be of improvement? Catherine, weak-spirited, irritable, and completely under Lydia's guidance, had, always been, had been always affronted by their advice. And Lydia, self-willed and careless, would scarcely give them a hearing. They were ignorant, idle, and vain. Yikes. While there was an officer in Meryton, they would flirt with him and while Meryton was within a walk of Longburn, they would be going there forever. Anxiety on Jane's behalf was another prevailing concern, and Mr. Darcy's explanation, by restoring Bingley to all her former good opinion, heightened the sense of what Jane had lost. His, affect- his, his affection was proved to have been sincere, and his conduct cleared of all blame, unless any could attach to the implicitness of, such co- of his confidence in his friend. How grievous, then, was the thought that... It- Of a situation so desirable in every respect, so replete with advantage, so promising for happiness, Jane had been deprived by the folly and indecorum of her own family. When to these recollections was added the development of Wickham's character, it may be easily believed that the happy spirits which had seldom been depressed before were now so much affected as to make it almost impossible for her to appear tolerably cheerful. Their engagement at Rosings were as frequent during the last week of her stay as they had been the first. The very last evening was spent there, and her ladyship again inquired minutely into the particulars of their journey, gave them directions as to the best method of packing, and was so urgent on the necessity of placing gowns in the only right way that Maria thought herself obliged, on her return, to undo all the work of the morning and pack her trunk afresh. When they parted, Lady Catherine, with a great condescension, wished them a good journey and invited them to come to Huntsford again next year. And Mr. Berg exerted herself so far as to curtsy and hold out her hand to both. This actually evokes in me, evokes in me, reminds me of the conversation we had recently about shame Mm. with Andrea Martucci of Shelf Love. And Andrea asked the very big question of, does shame have a purpose? Does it have a function? And I think here we see a clear demonstration of how it does. It helps you kind of develop as a person to feel shame. Mm -hmm. I think Lizzie repellents towards Mr. Darcy has to do with her personal shame Mm -hmm. towards her family, but also her own conduct and her own kind of naivete. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be forcing her to understand. She seems to be like swinging hard the other direction. Yeah. But that's often a part of growth.
0: I think one of the things about this chapter, and certainly Lizzie's recalculation, I think it's right to call it shame. And she certainly calls it shame on the part of her siblings and her parents. And like, that's the first time I think she's really admitted to herself. Like, they're uncouth. Her mother's like an Mm -hmm. embarrassment. But I don't think she's ever been ashamed of them before. Yeah. And I think like seeing her family through Darcy's eyes and now Jane's dashed hope. Yeah. Is, like, tough. Yeah. And does force... It's like, Lizzie's now more adult than she was before she received the letter.
1: She makes that comment about how her father is happy just to laugh at them, so there's no hope for any support from him. We know from earlier in the novel, Lizzie was likewise, and now she realizes that there are actual consequences. Yeah. You and I were in those early chapters constantly talking about how like unhelpful Mr. Bennett is and how he doesn't seem to understand the stakes or care about them. And I think that's, and we also talked about how Lizzie seemed to over-identify with her father. And I think that those chickens came home to roost.
0: I think they did too.
1: I really thought we were going to get through the whole book without that reconciliation. I was going to be like, this is Jane Austen's blind spot, her interpersonal failing,
0: Nope, she she has a clear-eyed view of Dad. At, at <laughs> least in this moment, a more clear-eyed view. Yeah. And I think, like, the other thing that's also, like, funny here is the way that she's talking around the fact that, like, Catherine de Berg doesn't want to be bored. Yeah. Which is why she's like, stay!
1: Stay! I think she has a sense that... Uh... Darcy has feelings for Lizzie
0: absolutely
1: and I think she's telling her to stay because Darcy's not coming back to Rosings. yeah but he is going to be in town mm-hmm. maybe. he's gonna be in
0: London maybe yeah yeah I think there's definitely that too and then also like again with the timeliness of this book and I know this is such a silly thing to point out but like Catherine de Berg's obsession about like well which route are you gonna take which coaching inn are you gonna be at like Can't tell you how many times I've driven back to Missouri and someone has been like, oh, which highway are you gonna take? 57 or are you gonna take I-70 once you get past the Springfield? I'm like, I don't care, whichever Google or Waze says is gonna be faster and doesn't have accidents, my man.
1: Isn't it always I-70? Look at me go.
0: No, (laughs) because you can actually take 270 or you can take I-55 through Hannibal and then come down on the county highways rather than the main drag.
1: Well, just for our listeners who are desperate to know, I usually cut through Hannibal. So I don't even know why.
0: It's the better route.
1: Yeah. There is that point when you go across the river, though, and you, like, lose all cell phone service. And, yeah. like, the bridge forks?
0: Mm-hmm. Wild. It is wild. It's really beautiful. It's one of the be- most beautiful parts of Missouri, which, generally speaking, kind of a ho-hum state.
1: Yeah. I think um, David Fincher got a shot of that bridge fork mm-hmm. in Gone Girl, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. I think d- no one is better at... cat. Capturing the Highways and Byways of My Youth and David Fincher.
0: That seems right.
1: I immediately knew Wichita, Kansas (laughs) in Mindhunter. I was like, that's the the small towns outside of Wichita, Kansas. Anyways, yeah, Catherine DeBerg could live in Los Angeles. Yeah. She (laughs) could. The way she talks about directions. Anything else? No, I think we made it excruciatingly boring there at the end, which is great. I think that's the right move. This is supposed to be relaxing. I hope you're relaxed by our talk of highways. Yeah, and now we're giving you a little kiss on the forehead.
0: <laughs> Loosen your prejudices.
1: Never your prides. Mm-hmm. Mwah. Woli guacamole, everyone! Thanks for listening to another episode of Womance.
0: Womance is hosted, produced, and edited by my friend Morgan.
1: And by my friend Isabel. Our logo artwork is by another friend, Mary Reichman. You can find her on Instagram at m.reichman, spelled R-E-I-S-C-H-M-A-N-N.
0: Original music by Nick Gravlin. And our webmistress is Jane Bonsack. They're the best.
1: If you have an idea or just want to reach out, please email womancemail at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Romance is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts to add to your romance collection at frolic.media backslash podcasts. Until next time.